Drops the throw, sets his feet down the left side. He's going for LaVisca Chanel, who cuts inside the defender. And he comes up with a football. Oh, are you kidding me? That is a touchdown. Touchdown, Colorado. By the wide receiver, LaVisca Chanel. And what a way to set the record for Steven Montez. Here comes the blitz. Hit, and it's picked off on a throw over the middle. Caught by Nate Lamon. He runs it up the near side, and he stumbles across the 30-yard line. Tripped up by the quarterback, Eason, and it's a turnover. Montez, under center. They give it off on the end around the LaVisca Chanel, who runs over the top of an offender and discards the defensive player and chucks him aside and works his way down to the 30. That right there came down to a will and a want to. Falls to the ball, takes it chest high. He scans, he looks, here comes a blitz. He is grabbed by Perry, and he's sacked. How about that play by the freshman? Montez is snap, play action, sets to throw. He's going for the home run. Tony Brown is in the end zone, and he makes the grab. End zone, touchdown, touchdown, Colorado. Oh, what a throw. Oh, what a catch by Tony Brown. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, here with Chase Howell. The day after Carl Durrell's introductory press conference. Right off the bat, let's get your thoughts. I know you had to run pretty quick after the presser. What was your takeaway? Yeah, I wish I could have stayed longer, but um, there was good meatloaf that you missed out on. <laughs> I did grab some of the meatloaf I had to once I heard it was there. That's number one. Meatloaf um, is. One of those things that's easy to screw up, and and they actually do it well with their catering events there. But yeah. on a more important topic, every here. time there's a Bender's meatloaf, I have to get it. Um, I was actually pretty impressed with Carl Durrell. Um, I just think he's super likable. I think you can just get that right away. I think he's a guy that the players are going to like as well. He's completely, I would say, almost complete opposite of what Mel Tucker is. He's not all of the raw raw stuff. Um, he's still got like the same sort of calm demeanor. But there's a different type of confidence to different him. energy for sure. Yeah, and um, I even heard that from some of the players that he's completely different, but kind of in a good way. It's it's a nice change of pace, and I, yeah, I think he's really likable. I think that's probably the biggest thing that stands out to me about him. This truly is a dream job. You could tell. I don't know if it was nervous energy or if he, if he was getting a little bit choked up at times talking about what this means to him. That can't be the number one criteria for picking a coach. Because you got to win games. But the more I think about it, he was 40 years old when he got the head coaching job at UCLA. And he still went to five bowl games in five years there. When, as Rick George pointed out, USC was rolling at that time. That was the biggest criticism, I think, from out there is they, they wanted to compete with the Trojans. That's a rival. And they lost six games in, in those five years that Carl Durrell was there. Yeah, I mean. The, the USC did, obviously. I I mean, he went to five bowl games in five years. That. That's got to say something. As a 40-year-old, um, I don't think he recruited very well at UCLA. But like you said, he was competing against the prime of USC, um, especially the recruiting prime of USC. They were pulling everybody they could um, out of that SoCal region. So there were a lot of things that were, I guess, holding him back. But you look at that staff, too, on UCLA. I think that that's one of the more impressive things for me. There's a lot of guys there that are head coaches um, or have been head coaches. Uh, in college football so he he put together a good staff they tried to recruit um, I don't know if they had the results that they wanted there was a little bit more evidence of better recruiting later on there was a class that only had like 
five kids signed or something like that, but it was average, like 92. Had a couple guys that went to the NFL, so there were some signs of better recruiting. Um, he, he even said himself um, a couple times yesterday that he didn't have it quite figured out early, but felt like he got it as it went on, and they just couldn't beat USC at that time. What's interesting is hearing from people out there in Los Angeles that covered him there is they say the talent was better from what he inherited versus what he left behind, but yet he was getting better as a coach in those five years, and that was pretty clear. So that leads me to my next point is the key for him in rounding out the staff is you got to have top-notch recruiters. He might not have the Mel Tucker, Jordan collection, and all that other stuff, but he could be that father figure, a guy that can really connect to parents, but he needs those guys on the staff that are going to have that energetic recruiting energy out there on the on the trail. Yeah, he's not going to be the rah-rah type, but I do think that him walking into families and um, walking into family rooms, I, I can see him convincing parents yeah. on why he's why their son should play for him um i think he he just has something about him that just makes him like a little bit more genuine than i think most other people and i think parents will see that because parents can see right through fakeness um they didn't as well with mel tucker but (laughs) um i think that a lot of them could see right through it and there's just something about him that makes it seem like it's genuine and i i really do think he's like that yeah well this is going to be a mailbag heavy show because I am mentally exhausted, Chase. Me too. It's kind of like the podcast we did after the signing period. There's just not a lot left in the tank energy-wise. So let's try to pull through this and answer these questions. I'm going to have you read the questions if you don't mind, and then we can both share our thoughts. Yeah, so um, we're going to get this question a lot, so I think that's a good place to start. Staff selection. What do you expect? I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because I don't want to go – too into detail on the coaching staff stuff because some people listen to this podcast a couple days after we put it up and who knows we're gonna what's be gonna, wrong about it yeah i don't want there to be old information out there not not that i'm sitting on a ton at this point but things could come my way and i will put that stuff on our message board it's probably not we we can react to it on the podcast in terms of expectations knowing that lance carl and rick are going to be there hand in hand with Carl putting this staff together, I they've got to put an emphasis on recruiting. They have to. That's my expectation. And if they don't, I can't blame Colorado fans for being a little disappointed. Yeah, I mean, just because of Carl Durrell's past history. And we know that Rick George and Lance Carl both emphasize recruiting heavily. Um, they didn't really with this hire, so they're going to have to emphasize that with their assistant coach um, hires. I think there's a couple guys on staff that are really good recruiters that they're going to have to look at keeping around. Um, Brian Markolowski comes to mind first, and probably Darian Hagan too. Um, we'll see about Coach Chev, but I think those are three guys at least that you already have here that could be really good recruiters for you. Um, and then maybe they could go out and with the type of connections that Darrell has, they could find some more guys. But um, I definitely, I think it will be emphasized. I'd be very surprised if they just go out and get a bunch of NFL guys. I usually like to look over the list of questions, but again, it's been kind of a whirlwind for me here recently. So I, I'm kind of going into this mailbag not knowing exactly what's going to be thrown at us. I'm guessing a couple of Tyson Summers questions are out there. What are your thoughts on him? I, I thought he did a, a good job with what he had to work with, some really intricate 
blitzes later in the season that really helped lift them to a couple big victories late in the season. He uh, was a little bit of a unique fit because he's a, a Southern guy coming to Boulder, but I believe that he, over time, kind of enjoyed being you know here at CU, and he was at the presser yesterday. Yeah, um, I, I know the players love him. That's first and foremost for me. Um, he's a guy that I know a lot of the defensive players want to keep around. Uh, I'd like to get some more color on who had their most hands on the defense because there are some rumors that mm-hmm. um, Tucker might have given taken the training wheels off of Summers um, a little bit later on in the season. And if that's true, that's even more positive for Summers. Um, I, I like him, I think, as a person um, and just a guy that – the players will want to play for um and i think he's a great teacher we'll see if he can call a defense because i i just don't know how much tucker had was involved um in terms of calling plays and all of that but i wouldn't mind seeing them keep him around yeah all right let's go into the next question um we're gonna get this one a lot too so we might as well touch on it early <laughs> this whole what do you expect of recruits getting out of their national letter of intent and all of that all of that jazz i'm gonna pull up the commit list because i've tried to reach out to all the guys that uh signed with colorado in the 2020 class hold on i'm gonna get on the internet here i can give my quick thoughts just from what i've been hearing um i think the majority of it's gonna stay together so anybody that's panicking over a bunch of people leaving is um a little bit out of their mind there i think the majority i would be surprised if it's anything more than like two or three guys that do ask out of their Letter of intent, it sounds like a lot of them are staying um, as of now. You're going to pull up the list. We can get a little bit more specific on the guys. So we won't go through the guys that are on campus right now because mm-hmm. that's a different deal. They'd, uh, As far as I know, would have to enter the transfer portal if they're going to go somewhere. Yeah, but I think of like the Kyle Ford situation last year. Or not Kyle Ford, excuse me, Brew McCoy. Um, I get those two confused. But the Brew McCoy situation where he signed with USC and then – enrolled at texas for the for this semester this spring semester and then moved back to usc um i don't know how he was able to do that but i think he's a guy that at least early enrolled and was able to get out of it later on okay ashad clayton if hagan stays on board which we it would be surprising development if, if he's not i gotta feel like they have got a pretty good chance to keep him on board yeah it sounds like it to me too jason harris that's the one there you go I'm not too aggressive trying to bug these guys because they're going through a lot, but there's a good chance that he ends up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We'll see. That'll it, be an important phone call for Carl Drill to make here. Yeah, like I said earlier, though, there's a good chance that they keep around Brian Michalowski, and I think that could make a pretty big difference with Jason. Christian Gonzalez sounds like he's sticking on board. He doesn't do interviews, but Keith Miller, who he said, we're, we're, we're sold on, on CU. Brendan Rice, another one. To, yeah. to keep an eye on here. He had an interesting comment to you huh, that that blew up a little bit. No comment. No, an interesting no comment. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb Fourier is on board. He mentioned to me that his father was actually recruited by Durrell at Northern Arizona way back in the day. Jordan Berry, I'd be surprised if he goes somewhere else. Mr. Williams... I don't know. He's he's a really quiet recruit. I know his dad came out after Mel Tucker left and talked about the fact that he's going to stick with Colorado, but that was before Rossell's left. Yeah, yeah, Rossell's could change things. Devin Grant, he's he's on board. Torn Pittman, I have not heard from. 
I did hear from his him. grandpa wasn't happy. Right. I, I he w- he told me after the Tucker departure that he was planning to stick on board, but I haven't heard from him since Durrell took over. And he was heavily recruited by Darren Cheverini too, so yeah. that could play a role. Montana Lamonius Craig is on board. He's he, he expresses excitement to me. Chris Carpenter, another one of those quiet ones that I don't know what he's thinking. William Anglin. Your, your heart hurts for him. I mean, Tucker did a great job of recruiting him and then just bolts. And yeah. Cincinnati was his other finalist. I don't know. Well, that's another one to keep an eye on. The, I did see one of our board members said that Darrell coached Ted Ginn Jr., I'm guessing, in the NFL, but I'm not sure. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of connection since Ted Ginn Sr. is the head coach there. Jaylee Stacks is on board. Lewis Passarello didn't have any other Power 5 offers, so I'd be surprised if – I haven't heard from him, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't stick with it. And then Jared Lichtenhan, he's 100% on board. So there's, a, 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 what, probably three or four guys you're kind of worried about right now? Yeah, but that's not the whole class, and it, it's not really the end of the world. We'll see. Um, but it sounds like at least the majority of them will stay together. Brendan Lewis sounds like he's having a good time here in Boulder, turning heads in the weight room. Big question there is what, what, can, what type of offense are they going to run? You need to run an offense that can showcase his dual threat abilities, or I wouldn't blame him for wanting to look for a different direction. He, I don't think a West Coast offense suits him. Yeah, and I that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask Darrell was kind of how his offensive philosophies have changed and obviously it's going to depend on who he hires as offense coordinator but the west coast offense is kind of old news um right it's it's changed quite a bit um it's more about the rpo game which you can implement in some of the west coast systems but it's gone since the times that he was at vanderbilt and ucla and that Durrell is too smart of a guy to try to run that here yeah he hasn't come out and said exactly what they're going to run offensively but I would be shocked if that's the case. All right, Especially next. with a guy like Brendan Lewis. You, you need yeah, to exactly. do something around his strengths. Or Tyler Lytle, too. Yeah. Next question? Um, uh, okay, first, th- Monstrous Joe, thanks to you and the staff for your round-the-clock work. Can you take a break now? Can I take a break now? Not right now. They got <laughs> the, the assistant coaches. They need a hire. And then it's right in the spring ball. Yeah. I do know during spring break, we're taking all the kids down to Arizona on a little road trip. So to that'll be fun. Baseball? We might sneak that in there. We've got some plans. Meow Wolf in, in Santa Fe for the kids. And then uh, we're going to do top golf down there. Yeah, maybe get some baseball in, but spend a lot of time at the pool. Yeah, I can't take a break. We're right in the heat of basketball season. That's true. Got Pac-12 tournament coming up. you got plans to be in Vegas here pretty soon. Yeah, exactly. And then hopefully following them around for the tournament. Uh, and then right after that, spring ball. Even the spring games, like, right after that. Yeah. So this is a good question. It's a little bit long-winded, but it comes from uh, Jay Shiffy 27 and it's kind of the whole Chev thing. What did you make of, basically, his reaction to this whole thing? I think it's a good way to put his question. He's a passionate guy. He really thought that he was ready to lead this program going forward. He was hurting and you know it's unfortunate that he was not there when the, the staff met Carl Durrell for the first time. I think he could have handled it differently. But I also understand, you know, how much that hurt him not getting the job. Obviously he was hurt and I think a big part of it was 
because they missed out on some of their earlier ca- candidates and that was highly publicized. So I think once they came back around, he was kind of expecting um, to get more of a look. I'm surprised because he had such a good relationship with Carl Durrell. It kind of seems like they not hired him for Chev, but definitely had Chev a little bit in mind considering that Durrell was the offense coordinator while Chevrini was here. Um, so I was more surprised that he didn't really embrace that hire as much as maybe he could have. But I, I think it's completely understandable. Like, he wanted this job and wanted it bad. He made that known. Yeah. Do you have any – I mean, we're going – we got a couple questions on Chef here. Do you have any, like, feeling on what's going to happen there? Again, I don't want this to be outdated when people listen. Uh, yeah. I, I think that will be one of the first dominoes if he's going to stay to get announced because you're, you're going to – typically hear about the guys they're going to retain first and then the other pieces will fall in um so svd buff had this contract question i don't know how much you know about contracts but we'll give it a shot if a guy like summers has a two-year contract is and is in the second year and coach kd asks him to leave does he get the guaranteed second year contract money yeah from what i understand would get the full year Unless he is hired somewhere else. I mean, it's a contract. He's yeah. owed that money. Yeah, so unless he's hired somewhere else, he'd get the full yeah. the full money. Um, there's also a buyout there if he leaves, usually. Next question. This is from Brad. Do you find it concerning that he didn't really mention recruiting in his opening statement, talking about Darrell, obviously? I thought he answered questions related to recruiting well, and overall in his press conference left me really impressed with him as an individual, but I wanted to hear him mention recruiting. Seemed like a very common thought um, yeah. on the board. Maybe a little bit, because that was one of the maybe question marks with him taking the job, but there's a lot going on at that intro press conference, a lot of things he's going to touch on, and he shared a lot. He opened up, and he was asked about recruiting, and he seemed to you know put some good thought into it then. To me... Everybody wants to hear everything they want to hear at that intro press conference, but it's the actions you follow up after that mm-hmm. press conference that matter, right? I mean, we've had coaches come in and win a press conference at CU and fail miserably. What his staff looks like is going to tell a lot more to me about the importance he's putting on recruiting than what he's going to say in the opening statement of his press conference. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think he has a lot on his mind he's trying to answer those questions as best as he can um i think mel tucker kind of came in with the idea that he was going to really pitch recruiting hard um and that was one of his priorities he probably had it on his notes too that yeah, he backed it up yeah just keep on hammering yeah. recruiting um and he did that well in the opening press conference that's not one of Durrell's priorities um in his head but i think like you said what he does with the staff is much more important than what he says in the press conference Capital buff. Now that we've selected a, a new head coach, when can we expect to have a new Ralphie in place? What attribute should we be looking for in a Buffalo? Rick and Lance run a tight ship with their their coaching searches. The Ralphie, the Ralphie search might even be more tight lipped. <laughs> At one point, I heard they had three candidates, but then there was some rumors right that it's been a little bit harder to find the new Ralphie than they maybe anticipated. I can't say, and this is maybe a blasphemous statement here in Buff Nation uh, to say this, but the new Ralphie hasn't hasn't been in the front of my uh, my thoughts here the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I barely thought about it, but I'm sure we'll get some news, um, especially as we approach the spring game. I would imagine that's one of their goals, but who knows on that situation. Um, for movie buff, 
and this is going to get us into a bigger topic. How do you expect KD to be when dealing with the media versus previous coaches should success in phase one hinge around making a bowl game? So that's two questions, but answer the first Does part. it throw you off the KD thing? Because I, then yeah. I just go think KD Nixon. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what can we do there with Carl Durrell? Well, I guess I'll, the HC thing, right? But I guess. HC, it doesn't really KD. Roll, doesn't really roll off the tongue that yeah. well, does it? I, I don't know. KD Nixon only has one more year. That's true. <laughs> we can do it, but... Uh, what are expectations? Was that the question? So how do you expect him to be when dealing with the media? Versus oh, dealing with the media. I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah. You know, his demeanor yesterday, he looks you in the eye and you can tell he's genuinely trying to give you an answer to your question in a genuine way. Mel Tucker, he had nicknames for us, you know, the diehards that were there all the time. And he would chum it up pretty good, he even took us to lunch one day. I don't know what it's going to be like from that side, but just from an actual information aspect, like he was asked about the process of hiring him, and he was so honest. He talked about the fact that he wasn't contacted till Thursday. He opened up about the fact that he was kind of didn't want to step up to try to politic for the job because of his friend in Kansas City, who we all know. There were different things throughout that press conference are really insightful and, and kind of cool. And if he continues to do that, I know there's certain stuff with scheme and personnel that you've got to kind of keep within the program, but it seems like he's going to be a guy that is not afraid to put information out there that the fans will love too. You know, that they'll, they'll get more insight into the program based off how I think he's going to answer questions going forward. Yeah. The biggest thing for us as media people is honesty. As long as you're honest with us, we're, probably gonna at least like and don't get defensive too that's another big thing yeah yeah so we just want you to be easy to deal with and i think that um that was pretty obvious from carl durrell in his opening press conference i think he'll be honest with us and he won't be trying to deceive us of anything or anything like that and that's really all we can ask for as media people it's funny because i never really thought troy calhoun was going to get the job even after vic lombardi tweeted what he did but there was a moment of panic, like, what if this does happen? Because that would have just been a nightmare. And so I think ever since – I'm almost glad that Vic Lombardi put that out there because it, it makes you appreciate what Carl did at his press conference yesterday even more. So that's going to lead you into this next one. I'm putting the ball on the tee for you here. Buff Bird, during the search you said, ask you during a mailbag about what made you dislike covering Hawkins so much. I would love to hear your rant. The oh, floor man. is yours, Adam. Gosh, we only have like 20 minutes left. All right, the oh, quickest okay. rant. How, maybe like for like, it'll be like a five-part series of <laughs> rants. <laughs> oh, gosh, so many stories. So the thing about Dan Hawkins is he was insecure, but he would mask that with his personality. You, you can say what you will about Mel Tucker, but Dan Hawkins was even more of a fraud just in in terms of how he dealt with things, little things throughout those five years, like getting up at a booster event and being proud of the fact that your recruiting class only has kids from two parent households. He once told me I can talk to somebody for only a couple minutes and I know everything about them. How are you going to be a coach and relate to your players when you, you form opinions two minutes into meeting them he got defensive if you ever asked anything tough. And let's be honest, the CUB is, is pretty chill. It's not like he's getting attacked with like hard-hitting questions all the time. At one point during his first season, said this place was burnt to the ground before I got here. 
it, as it turns out, he was the one that ended up burning it to the ground. Yeah. At one time, in a post game press conference, he said, "Why is it that you guys don't have you you writers don't have kids?" And he, he just it was a weird dude and like had weird philosophies and you know having players lay on their back and practice and visualize having water balloon fights after practice. I don't know, like it's just kind of the collection of things of Dan Hawkins and you know, reading emails from parents in his press conference once he started feeling heat. He had that rant, go play intramurals, brother. He had told somebody at CU that he was planning, he, he, his exact words were, I've got something good for these guys today. So that was all planned, his whole rant. And then when audio of that rant got put out there, he got mad at us media for that. <laughs> and his, like, so during spring ball, he was giving us one-word answers for a week because he was mad at us. It just... Such a hypocritical guy. He didn't treat people well in the Dell Ward Center. Just thought he was – can't say that word. Um, <laughs> Adam's but, daughter's in the room <laughs> for those that can't see us. Is that enough for, for part one? Yeah, I think that's good enough. You can go into it a little bit more when you get a better chance. But we got some questions to go through. This one will be really quick because Darrell's already answered this, but what are you hearing on a timeline for staff selection? Yeah, he said what? Try, his goal is within the week? Yeah, and on Big Al's segment, he said it might take a little longer than that. So he's not rushing it, but he's trying to get it done in a week. That's happening as we're doing this podcast, I can guarantee you. Yep. This is a good question, and I think Rick George touched on this a little bit yesterday. What actually has been done to beef up our recruiting resources and infrastructure? I would love to see how the sausage is made in the recruiting office and how that will help keep Darrell on track to keep up recruiting. The more personnel, they, they hired more people for that. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything to add there? It was more of an emphasis, too, with Tucker. Like He said, we're going to recruit every day, and they recruited every day. That mm-hmm. was a big part of it. Yeah, just getting all of the people. Their recruiting staff was huge compared yeah. to a lot of the Pac-12, um, and I do expect them to keep that up. I think Rick George and... Uh, Lance Carl will push to make sure they have a big recruiting staff. Um, will the coaching change provide you any extra access come spring? I don't think we know that yet. Uh, what I was told is that Carl Durrell is open to the suggestions from the sports information staff. It does sound like there's a possibility that some periods might be open to the media, which would be more than in the past. But they yeah, haven't come to final decisions on that yet. Um, there's a question in here about Troy Calhoun, but you kind of already touched on that. What is the first year Darrell buyout? I mean, I don't. <laughs> that we'll know that when the regents vote on it. I was just told for the first three years it's going to be a massive number, but with Carl Durrell taking over, unlike had Sark taking the job, you're not as concerned about that. Yeah, I think if Sark takes the job, you need a really big buyout. Some more questions about recruits would a QB be a target with this staff especially considering Stenstrom's departure I think that is if you released a couple guys from their letter of intent um, and had room would they go after like a grad transfer quarterback is what he's trying to get at yeah that's an interesting question and I was talking with somebody about that yesterday I've heard good things about Tyler Lytle especially from a leadership standpoint he's got a polished arm at this point Brandon Lewis I mean he has a chance to be a star at this level, but that's only two guys for depth purposes. You got to be a little concerned with that. Bringing in a grad transfer quarterback. If Brendan Lewis or Lytle is going to be a good quarterback this year is a weird dynamic because 
that guy's going to want to play. He's going to want to come here and, and have a feeling that he's got, what, probably a 75% chance to win the starting job, or he's probably not going to come here. It's hard to convince a grad transfer to come in and be a depth piece. Yeah, I would think it, it'd be more likely to, and I don't have any inside information on this, but it'd be more likely to go after like a junior college quarterback that might not expect to be the starter right away. And at least you have some guy, a guy with some experience there. But I think going after like a high-profile grad transfer is kind yeah. of out of the question. But at this stage, like a JUCO quarterback, it's going to be hard to find somebody that yeah. can even, you know, really be part of this competition yeah yeah so at that point you might rather go after like a walk-on juco quarterback and then you don't have to take up another scholarship spot matt ryan won a bunch of awards i know he's really short (laughs) i don't but like an emergency situation i don't know i don't know enough about him other than the fact that he kept getting scout offensive player of the week awards i haven't had time to look into this but it's on the same topic um any color on stenstrom's departure it just sounds like he saw the writing on the wall with Lytle and Lewis doing so well this winter. Great student. I think somebody put on our board that they heard that he might be going to the Ivy League. That would be perfect for him. His, yeah. He'd be a good player at that level and you know get an Ivy League degree. That would be a pretty cool deal. Yeah, I think he was majoring in mechanical engineering while he was here. So super smart kid. He's a, he's not, he would have been a nice third quarterback on the roster. But I just never really ever thought that Blake Stenstrom was going to be the starting quarterback for CU. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> Do you think you can pass some non-1990s suit recommendations to Carl Durrell? <laughs> I'm the last person to give anybody fashion advice. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the suit was great, and uh, 90s style might be coming back in style. So I'll just say that as someone that <laughs> is a little <laughs> bit younger. The whole Drew Wilson thing, uh, do you expect Drew Wilson to remain? I know the Alabama rumors. I think we should probably touch on that. What, what's going on there? Uh, so there's some rumors, at least on our message board. Um, I haven't looked into it elsewhere that Alabama is looking for a strength and conditioning coach and that Wilson's name's been floated on the Alabama side. Why does Nick Saban hate CU? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's what most of our uh, board members were saying. <laughs> So I, I don't know, but I would guess that Darrell wants to keep him. I mean, he's a really good strength and conditioning coach. Have yeah, heard anything the there? players love him. Like, they should keep him for sure. And I asked Rick George about that yesterday, and kind of re- reading between the lines, it, it seems like he is going to get offered to stay. Um, some people are looking for more color on the search, like the whole Sarkeesian situation, but I think we'll find out more later, unless you have anything you want to touch on that. What, what is he asking? Did RG and LC think they had Sark prior to the heart-to-heart with Saban? I think so, yeah. Word was they were kind of finalizing things there. What are your thoughts on Sark? High risk, high reward? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it would have been super risky, and I think a lot of people around Boulder would have probably been against it, uh, non-football people at least. So... I think it would have been super risky and there would have been a little bit of controversy around it, but it could have easily worked out. It would have drawn a lot of national buzz, obviously, which would have been the, the positive side of that, of all that. We have a couple basketball questions, so I'll touch on those right at the end. Um, let's keep on getting through the football ones. Why are so many bus fans openly hostile that Darrell's hiring? We had a couple questions like that. Do you have anything on just the whole fan reaction to it? Part of it, I think, is because it came out of left field. 
I wonder how he would have been received if from day one his name was part of this, especially in comparison to some of these guys that CU fans just did not want, Brett Bielema being one, Jim McElwain. Uh, what do you think? I, I think they would have reacted a little bit differently had, had he been part of people's thoughts for longer. But there still would have been some CU fans that wouldn't have liked it because he has not been in the college game for so long. Yeah, there wasn't a, consens- a consensus about any of the coaches. Um, so I think no matter who they hired, there would have been a little bit of backlash. And I agree with you. I think if his name was floated around earlier, it gives fans a little bit more time to talk themselves into it. Just to process it, you yeah. know. And I think it just came as such a surprise that people blew up just immediately seeing that and not really recognizing the name. But once you dig deeper into Durrell and his resume, I think it makes a lot of sense. I was less skeptical when I realized that he was 40 years old when he went to UCLA. And you start thinking about what USC was back then and why they would have been more impatient. But, you know, the, the, the coolest thing to me about his press conference was him admitting that that UCLA experience really helped him grow as a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question, whoever asked that one. <laughs> um, so a little bit on the th- – million salary pool are the recruiting coordinators and academic support staff a part of that and i believe the answer is no right it's just the assistant coaches a part of the 3.8 mil so that other money comes from elsewhere does carl need to replace all the recruiting coordinators in addition to finding coaches i'm assuming that means recruiting staff well jeff martson was the guy that ran that program under mel tucker and he was one of the first guys to follow him and he did a really good job like Jeff Martson is not out front and center like the assistant coaches and Mel Tucker, obviously, but he was really organized, especially they were doing positional recruiting. That's hard to get all those itineraries put out there because you have restrictions on how many days you can be on the road, when you can do, how often you can do in-home visits. And he led a staff that was really good at that. He was a big part of them having their best class on paper since joining the conference. They can find a suitable replacement firm for sure, but some of these people, I've seen comments like like, kind of downplaying what he did. He was a really valuable member of their staff. Yeah, there's a reason why he was one of the first guys that Tucker took with him to Michigan State. Um, along those same lines, have we lost Simone George and Megan Mueller and other ones? So Simone George was at the press conference yesterday. Um, I don't know what the talks are of keeping her around, but I do know she was around yesterday. Um, and then Megan Mueller and Tessa Akers were the two that were let go from the recruiting staff. Um, and then Jeff Martin left. I believe those are the three that are gone as of now. And they've got a lot of other assistants that are still still around. Yeah. Um, Carl Durrell played at UCLA and was their head coach years later. When Durrell coached at UCLA, did he recruit many players outside of California? I think this question got answered by someone else now that I think about it. Um, it I think it was like 70-something percent. Was in California? Yeah, 77%. And then the rest was Louisiana and Texas were the other two big ones. And that's exactly what Darrell said yesterday at the press conference. And he said now he's got some experience being in Florida, so they're going to spot recruit down yeah. there. And I think if summer sticks around, I would expect them to stay in Georgia. Yeah. So you're probably looking at Louisiana, Georgia, besides Texas, Colorado, and California, um, which is basically the same as what Tucker was doing. A question about Darrell's style, do you think, like, can you find out for us if we will still be working on building a team that has large, fast, and capable of 
big boy football. I think he just means like just size in general. McIntyre, Tucker, do you expect it to more be like the Tucker size players? Good question. That's something we'll. You only had so much time yesterday at the presser to yeah. try to delve into him. Yeah. Did, didn't somebody say that at UCLA they had big lines? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to mention that. That was the one thing I did notice. I mean, I think we've hit most of these. Well, we've only got a few more minutes here before we got to take off. So, so why don't you dive into those? those oh, yeah. Questions. Let's touch on basketball a little bit. From Sam and SJ. What the heck happened the other day at the Colorado Event Center? Senior day, last home game of the season, unbelievable crowd, first place in Pac-12 on the line, and Tab Boyle was on the record after the, after the SC game saying that the only focus right now was getting a win against UCLA. What went wrong, and how did Tad, the staff, and players let that happen? Well, they announced the head coach right in the middle of the game. <laughs> um, well, they didn't announce it, but it leaked. So yeah, it leaked. Excuse me. Um, it leaked right in the middle of the game, so everybody was distracted. No, uh, it just it was another one of those second half collapses that we've seen a couple times. Uh, it's a situation where I Tad Boyle has won a lot of games with his coaching. I think this season, uh, I think he's definitely improved with that. That was one of the games where he got completely out coached, especially in the second half. Um, they kind of just sat back on defense and let UCLA do whatever they wanted. Um, I would have liked to see them press a little bit more because that's what worked against UCLA in the first game when they were down quite a bit. They got back into that game by pressing, um, and they just kind of just sat back and let their offense do whatever they want. They shot something like 60% in the second half, UCLA did. Um, and then offensively, it was kind of the complete opposite. They weren't the aggressors offensively, and their offense went completely stale. So when you have both of those things combined, you're not going to win many basketball games. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of an eye-opening loss for me. Yeah, I know you didn't get to catch much of the second half because you no. were busy. But Cronin's got that UCLA program headed oh, in the right direction, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he's scary right now. They're in the top four. Um, they might become a tournament team, but just for the future, in the next yeah. few years, they start buying into his system. Uh, he was a winner at Cincinnati. He's going to recruit really well. Um, anytime you're in at UCLA, you can recruit pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I think that's he's going to be super dangerous going forward. Where's this other basketball question? Okay, NYTJ Buff fan. What odds would you give CU of winning the Pac-12 regular season championship? Uh, at this point, it's probably 10%. Um, they have to play their last three games on the road, whereas everybody else doesn't have to do that. Oregon's in the best spot. They get to play all three of their games at home. Arizona State and UCLA are also in there, but I think Oregon having to play three games at home, CU having to play all of those at, on the road, Oregon's going to end up winning that. Now the tournament, I don't know. What? Are, how about you answer this one? What are their odds of winning the Pac-12 tournament? Oof. Twenty-three point eight percent. Where do you get that number? Um, no, I, I think that's probably something. There's a lot of teams that could win that tournament. They just get hot. Yeah, that stretch. Even Washington, which is going to be number twelve, you never know with that defense. Um, what What are the percentages that Chase or in in Jake and William stay out of trouble in Vegas. And Ziskin, too, all four of Zisk- us. Oh, jeez. <laughs> all four of us will be out there. Um, not likely. I've never gone to Vegas with them, but Jake has told me some stories, so should be interesting. 
uh, watch the movie Hangover. That's that's what you're about to experience. Um, no, but I'm really excited to go hang out with William Whalen. I've never met him. Actually. He's awesome. He's the best. Um, winning the first round of the NCAA tournament. See, so you just don't know any of this stuff um, because it's so unpredictable. But I do think they have a shot of making a, a little bit of a run. It's just impossible to know with matchups and all that type of stuff. Um, but usually teams that make a run have two things, leadership at the point guard position and really good defense. And CU has both of those, although I think their defense has faltered um, over the second half of the year, second half of the season. But um, they have what it takes to make a run, so they can definitely do it, but they can also get bounced early. Awesome. Well, our time is about up here, so we'll sign off. Chase, thanks for joining me. We tried our best. I mean, yeah. there's still a lot of questions you just can't answer definitively right now. Yeah, we'll know a lot more about the staff, and obviously we'll keep you guys updated about that on the board. Awesome. Thanks to all of you for tuning in.